Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Out of the Question podcast. Today, we're going to look at the question, should we clean up television? But by means of orientation, I'm going to read a very short piece by Dr. R.J. Rush Dooney written 40 years ago to the month called, Should We Clean Up Television? This is what he has to say. One of the things most of us can agree on is that television is full of programming, which is aesthetically and morally on a very low level. The usual targets of the critics of television is the strong emphasis on sex and violence. One can add to that the increasing vulgarity of television so that it is painful to watch even momentarily so cheap and degrading a view of man. But are the critics right? Is cleaning up what television needs? Will we have better television if we eliminate the offense of sex and violence, the profanity and the vulgarity? Or will it not, in fact, be worse? Our Lord issued a warning against a false and empty cleansing. To expel one demon without remaking the man means to lay him wide open to seven worse demons. Such a false reform leads to turning men into whited sepulchers, which are the epitome of uncleanness. If all we do is to clean up television and the films, will we not be creating whited sepulchers? This is, in fact, what will result. We will give a facade to humanism to make it resemble Christian morality. Most television programming and film productions as well give us the gospel of humanism. Do we want to put a Christian face on that? Humanism with a facade of Christian morality will be the greatest deception and evil imaginable. Apparently, this is what some churchmen want. What we need instead is programming, which reveals a Christian world and life view. This means a work of affirmation and reconstruction, an entrance into the arts, not a retreat from them. The image of the Christian as critic is a false one. The true Christian is a builder and a recreator in Christ our Lord. The Christian's calling is to bring every area of life and thought under the reign of Christ the King. Should we clean up television? Rather, should we not make it our own? Should we not move into it and make it a Christian domain? Well, my guests today, who by my guess were boys when this was written 40 years ago, <laughs> somehow was... or other caught this vision. And joining me are Marcus Pittman and Jason Farley, associated with a streaming platform entitled Lure TV. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. Okay, now because this is audio, when I speak to you, I will address you by name so that my audience will know, oh, this is Marcus speaking, this is Jason speaking. But Marcus, you're the CEO, so we're going to start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what the name Lore, L-O-O-R TV means, and kind of give us your vision. Yeah, so I was uh, um, 
I, I actually actually got involved very early on with Apologia Studios and worked with them for about five years and built that YouTube channel up to about uh, say two hundred fifty thousand subscribers before I left. Um, and then I got a job uh, as head of video production at the ad agency that did all of PureFlix's advertising. Um, so I got to just go into the belly of the beast of Christian entertainment and, and really see why it was so bad, <laughs> at least from an executive level anyway. And uh, so that was really eye-opening uh, to me. And 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 it was just through that process. Then I came back and I, I, I left that and I made a movie called Babies Are Still Murdered Here. We put it on Amazon Prime and Amazon deleted it. It was a, a pro-life uh, anti-abortion movie. And I realized we had a real problem with the arts and that rescue wasn't going to come from the faith-based film industry. They had a, a niche market where sort of like what Rod, Rush Dooney was talking about. They just wanted to just put the Christian label on moralism, um, right? That's that's really all he wanted to do. Um, uh, and, 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 and so I, I knew they, they weren't going to use their resources to help improve Christian art. Um, and then the secular streaming platforms like Netflix, Amazon Prime, and whatnot, uh, offered no interest in any Christian programming at all, right? So especially controversial ones or any sort of uh, faith-based programming that sort of pokes at the culture or or sort of picks a fight. Um, it just wasn't going to happen. So mm-hmm. uh, the the biggest problems were with Christian filmmakers is one, they couldn't have they couldn't find funding for their projects and two, they couldn't find distribution. So I thought that the best thing to do would be to merge that onto one platform. And that's where the idea of lore came about. It was basically just what happens if you put Netflix and Kickstarter together as one uh, unique site uh, that all the films funded on. Basically I was wondering why all the films funded on Kickstarter weren't streaming on Kickstarter. Um, and so that's how lore came about is if you could blend those two together and make it one marketplace for film and content. Um, and the name, uh, the name comes from, you know, the term folklore. Um, it also, uh, the lore, uh, is, uh, Jason could describe it better. Why don't you, you're better at, at describing. Yeah. The, the, okay. The, so this is Jason Farley speaking now. So you can explain that, but then I also want to get your background to know. How you got involved with this. All right. So, uh, our, it comes from the word laurels, which is what you would get if you won the Athenian, uh, drama contest back in the golden age of Athens in the fifth century BC. You would win the laurels, um, and be, and your story would become the story of the city for the year. It would become the lore of the city. And so, we're fighting for the story who who gets to tell the story of the city um and uh so lore uh makes sense since we, the way that we've designed it is the best story uh wins the contract and so uh, we're trying to show that uh, that Christians can work in every genre and win in every genre if they're given the opportunity to get out there and create rather than just having to sit back and be critics Okay, give us a little bit of your background as to what you were doing that sort of led up to participating in this endeavor. Yeah, so I uh, after uh, pastoring for more than a decade, 
Um, I was moving into working in film and television instead, saw the way that Christians were being paid to stay in their lane in the faith-based genre and said, you know, since it's really not a question of if something is based on faith, it's just a question of which faith uh, a movie is based on. Exactly. I decided that I wanted to get into um, the the other genres as a Christian. And as I dove in, um, came to similar realizations you know, that um, if you're working in the secular marketplace, that uh, there are that you run into limitations as a Christian uh, because the people with the money and the people that carry and hold the distribution channels uh, have agendas, and you have to um, sort of keep your head down and and do the work and be be good at it to be able to get get in there. But then ultimately you lose control. Um, and so when uh, Marcus and I were introduced, we were both trying to do the same thing. And I saw the way he was doing it and said, Hey, can I, can I help in any way? And uh, jumped on board as a, as somebody with the, with experience as a street screenwriter and a comedy writer um, and in production, um, I, I do the uh, side of the business that deals with the artists and keep the artists from ever having to talk to the money people um, so that they can just focus on the art and, um, and help the, help the uh, money people understand what it's like to deal with artists so that they can um, just focus on the money. Right. I used to know a producer who said, you have to keep the talent taken care of and not let them get involved with the administrative part because there's mm-hmm. two different ways of thinking. Absolutely. And you need them both to, you need the balance of both, but um, you need people that can focus on their own, um, th- their own side of the uh, equation so that the boat doesn't tip one direction or the other. And so exactly. I did, a, I did accounting before I became a pastor and, um, and then have studied as a, a screenwriter and a novelist and things in so i i speak both languages so i stand right. in between the two and you're bilingual and, uh, you're bilingual yeah, exactly all right marcus back to you in thinking about television right television in the scope of world history hasn't been around very long we're looking at 70 maybe if you think of the late 40s and it was an interesting um development because People, as soon as they bought a television, were welcoming people into their home who they might never welcome if they knocked on the door. And we got to see and witness all sorts of things that people weren't used to seeing. And so it's natural that people thought that the sex, the the promiscuity that certainly is rampant in modern stuff was the worst thing. Talk a little bit about what Rush Duty mentioned in the Whited Sepulchers. If all you do is clean up the superficial, what are you leaving people with? And why does Lure TV have a expanded mission? Yeah, well, I would, I would say that, you know, we started letting people into our homes with uh, radio before the TV and then with newspapers and books. Okay. <laughs> So there's always been uh, a market to get trash. There's always been a way to get trash into your home. Okay. Uh, but, but, uh, the usual, usually the Christian response is we should just get away from that thing. Um, it's pretty Gnostic in nature. 
And uh, and, and so so I would, I would start there. What was the what was the rest of your question, real quick? Well, I mean, Rush Judy mentioned that we'll actually make TV worse or films worse if all we do is remove the sex and violence without getting to the underlying presuppositions. Oh yeah, so hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, you know, that's that's where you get moralism. That, really, that's most of Christian entertainment right now. It's we we've just taken out the bad parts and we've created this sanitized story of of uh this this you know bad thing that happens to somebody that's not really that bad and then at the end there's always a a good ending um and and most of that is i would say effeminate it's effeminate storytelling it's it's storytelling made for uh women who don't want uh the the to get the romance novels uh so they might not read the romance novels but they're okay with the hallmark movies um, yes and that sort of idealistic sort of uh, I guess in Christian bookstores, it's Puritan romance or Amish romance novels, but that's sort of what the entire Christian film industry has been based on. Um, but the, what the, the, the value of a Christian artist is that they know evil rightly and they can articulate evil and bad things rightly and do so in a way that doesn't diminish how evil is, but also isn't necessarily sinful. Um, and so when we remove when we when we talk about Christian entertainment, everybody expects just purity <laughs> of content, uh, not yeah. necessarily accuracy of of, of storytelling. Um, um, and so that's sort of the challenge we have now, and sort of that we have an entire Christian film market that was made for sixty five year old women who shop at Lifeway Christian bookstores, and we don't have any real masculine male content. Uh, we're not giving making content for our sons. Uh, we're not making content that, you know, teaches uh, proper morality, even in horrific situations um, yeah. and, and, and whatnot. And and so and also we're not just not we're just not when you do that, you're just not making content that's impactful um, or that's going to change the culture, or challenge people. It's just not going right. to happen. I remember when my children were little and I would teach them to write stories, I said, you never have to mention Jesus Christ in your story, but you, your story has to show the wages of sin is death. And we have so many, um, even the Christian movies that kind of soft pedal the wages of sin. So we don't want to make sin that bad. So we'll just keep the sin to, you know, I lied on my tax returns or, you know, whatever. Right. So Jason, let me ask you this. Do yeah. you think? Christian audiences are ready for Lure TV. I'm sure Christian artists are ready for Lure TV. What do you think about Christian audiences? Well, here here's the difficulty is they've been trained to judge a movie based on what's not in it rather than judging a movie based on what is in it. Um, and so you have, we, a lot of times we'll say things like, well, it's a clean movie, right? Mm -hmm. And that therefore that suddenly means it's good. But like you said, you can have a clean tomb um, that is full of dead bodies. That doesn't make that it, it a good thing um, that it's clean on the outside. Uh, you actually have to, uh, you, what we need are stories that are positive representations of the Christian worldview that are uh, positive rep representations of reality. Um, not just, things that are missing the bad parts uh, that we don't want to see. So whether or not the audience is ready for that is actually um, something that 
uh, Marcus and I talk about on the regular because I don't think um, the pulpits have been training Christians well to be uh, cons- to be good consumers of media or good interactors with media in general. Um, but the, th- the great thing about the way God built the world is that part of the argument for the truth is that it's beautiful. Part of the argument for goodness is that uh, it flows from truth and is also beautiful. And the beauty itself can be convincing. And so as we've gone looking for artists that are going to be working in all of the different genres and not just in the quote-unquote faith-based genre, uh, which isn't really a genre, it's... Um, it's Christians should be taking uh, taking every single genre captive to the knowledge of Christ. Um, but as we found them, um, it, we are convinced that the the quality of the storytelling is going to be what gets uh, Christians to understand why it is that they need these sorts of things in their life. Where right? we we've been able to gather up some really really great. Uh, filmmakers, really great writers um, and producers and directors that are ready to show the church what it's been missing by retreating from all of the other genres besides the rom-com. Okay. So Marcus, as the CEO, it's your job. I mean, Jason's got the people, he's got the (laughs) ideas, he's got the scripts. So how are you planning to get the people who should be and are interested in such a things to know about you. How are you marketing this idea? And probably most importantly, how are you funding it? Well, my, you know, my main job as CEO is to find uh, wealthy people and ask them for money. <laughs> 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 That's uh, my role is to find investment. Uh, and uh, well, what's really been challenging Um more so than you would expect because we've you know we just launched recently we're we're doing really well and yet conservatives don't really value art for the like they don't for the most part conservatives value talking head political talk shows that's Mm -hmm. where that's what we want but you say no 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 what's really going to move the culture forward is having a, a bunch of massive culturally uh, well, a massive water cooler moments about content on, uh, you know, your platform. And, um, and, and that's really like what you want is children in the playground talking about stories that embrace a Christian worldview. Um, yeah. you know, I, somebody, one of investor asked me where I saw lore in five years. And I said, well, I would hope that they're talking about our shows the same way they did Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and so like that's really, the key and the strategy. So that, that, that's one of the things I'm pushing forward in terms of building the audience. Uh, we're, we're really focused on marketing and we've got a really good slate of content that I think keeps the wrong people out, but brings in a new audience that's never had content made for them before. Um, so okay, so things- let me let me just follow up on that because I was going to ask you a question about censorship. Yeah. So Lore TV is not, hey, everybody come and we will give you access to our audience. And a lot of times people think censorship is wrong. No, right. censorship is censorship. In other words, I'm not going to let you say what I think is wrong. So instead of being angry that the people who currently control the purse strings 
are being consistent in their hatred of God and their hatred of life, people think that a Christian platform should never censor either one of you and just identify which one's talking. Maybe now the audience knows who's who. Talk about the idea of why you will censor what ends up on your streaming service. Yeah. I, so I think, I think this is Marcus, by the way. I, I, I think first off, uh, there's, there's no such thing as a genuine free speech platform. Um, everybody, you know, as, as Greg Bonson says, like there's no neutrality, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, everybody has their, their talking points, right? You know, um, for example, Gab, uh, is, is a pretty popular, uh, social media platform that founds itself on on free speech but they have no new they have no nudity laws right like uh you can't have pornography on gab right mm-hmm. um so they they do have that standard and i would say that's a good standard and that's a christian view <laughs> yes. as their basis but but it's not complete utter free speech um the way people tend to think of it or at least the way the government um sort of defines free speech um so so I, there, there's always those limits um and so we we have only two rules and that's uh no nudity and no blasphemy uh those are our our requirements for filmmakers there's a lot of other sort of things we do in sort of the vetting process one to make sure that the artists are skilled they can actually create the content you know exodus 35 talks a lot about the requirements of an artist having skill and intelligence and wisdom and knowledge and filled with the Holy Spirit. So those are sort of the things we go through in our vetting process because we're not a free speech platform. Uh, but we are a, uh, we, 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 I, I believe there's no other platform that's giving artists more freedom, uh, than we are. And it's sort of like Rushton, says, right? When you just follow God's law, you're more mm-hmm. free, um, th- than you are. And Schaefer talked about that as well in terms of, uh, the freedom a regulative principle gives people is more than uh, what, uh, what more than most art forms. Um, so that that's sort of what I was saying. Jason probably has a lot yeah. more. Yeah, the yeah G.K. Chesterton says if you reject the Ten Commandments, you end up with the Ten Thousand Commandments. And <laughs> and what what we have done is looked for the artists that we can say just love God and make what you want because the. Uh, the censorship is in their, in their, what they love, right? The, it's the, the artists that are looking for ways to glorify God with their art, that are looking to tell stories that glorify God. That way you don't have to say, here, here are all the rules, right? You say no nudity on the platform to which all of our artists say, yeah, of course, I'm not interested in filming somebody without their clothes on anyway. Right. And then, uh, and then no, no promotion of the blasphemy of, of the triune God who's revealed in Jesus Christ, right? That, and, um, but we're looking for pe- for filmmakers that love the Lord, right? That that's so we can say, you know, like Augustine says that they're, if they, if their love of God is at the top, then the kinds of stories that they love down below, uh, under their love of God are going to be the ones that flow towards the love of God. And so we're trying to find those artists. And so the vetting process of what artists we choose is where the censorship is. Um, it's the, the one we find the ones that say, I'm trying to tell this story that glorifies the Lord, that shows reality, that, um, that tells the truth, um, beautifully. And that way, uh, we don't have to, 
have, you know, here's the 45 rules and then that the executive goes through with a fine tooth comb. Um, we say instead, love God, make what you want and find the artists that you can trust with the freedom because they've been freed from their desires for sin. I see. So you don't get like, if you find an artist and you say, yes, okay, we really like your vision, whether it's, um, a drama, fi- fiction, documentary, a biopic on someone. You say all genres. Give me an idea. Have I included all the genres you're willing to approach or are there more? Well, all the genres of storytelling actually were created by Christians. Um, and so the, the genres of storytelling have been co-opted, um, into, into other uses besides what they were for. Um, but the, 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 the church has had an incredible, uh, multi-generational you know, 2000 year long conversation about storytelling about it's the 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 it's, it's called poesis the conversation of poesis p-o-e-s-i-s and they we've been talking about this and, and all of the different genres have been developed by christians so for example horror is a is a genre that we don't as Christians tend to move towards, um, but it was actually created by Christians who were trying to reveal how to deal with the monsters we find within ourselves. And so you've got something like vampire uh, that was invented as what, what would it look like to, to not have any of the societal constraints on our lusts, right? And how do we then, um, and then what does it look like to fight lust uh, well, right. And so you get the, the vampire stories that are all about, um, the, the, the goodness of society restraining the, our desires within us because our desires run amok, um, become, uh, uh, makes, make us into monsters. And so, um, it's the same with the zombie movie. What would it look like to, to have, to have people that never cared once for their soul and only cared for their, for material things? Um, that there's a reason that the early zombie movies took place in malls is because it was a, a, a Christian walking through a mall that looked at people and said, man, these are like bodies with no souls. And then he said, what would that monster be like? And he came up with hmm. the zombie, right? And the, the idea being, if we never care for our souls as a society, we will all, we will become a zombified society. And it's turned out to be pretty accurate prediction, actually. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so that, uh, I, that's the, that I think that would be the way, uh, it, and then it's the same with, you know, a- adventure stories where the, the church has told adventure stories. The church has, has Christians have, have written in comedy. They've written in drama. They've told saint stories. They've told, uh, historical stories. All of those different genres can be used to glorify God and to uplift God's people because of fear and because of ignorance. The church has retreated instead from taking dominion in these storytelling areas uh even though in the past we've had dominion over them uh right. we, we've retreated from taking dominion and said instead uh we'll leave those to the world and you know most of that's because of bad eschatology so right okay which is a different topic which we different topic altogether <laughs> okay so i'm gonna make a confession here by the time veggie tales came out um i didn't have little children and the thought of, you know, cucumbers and squash, um, giving biblical truth was something that, um, <laughs> didn't sit well with me, but I recognized that there were people who liked it and they figured it was a good alternative. 
I guess. Um, I, I'll be honest. I never watched an episode and I, I may be the better for it. I may be the worse. Who knows? But I saw something that after we had booked this interview that you have an animation with bears recounting the story of David and Goliath. So first of all, reprove me. I'll let Jason do this because he's the content <laughs> guy. Reprove me if I'm wrong for having had some disdain for veggie tales. And I'll take the reproof if, if that's what you think I should get. And tell me a little bit about your David and Goliath story from the, yeah, absolutely. The bears. Well, there, there isn't anything fundamentally wrong with Veggie Tales. It, it didn't always, um, use, use what it had well, um, in, in the sense that it, it could get very moralistic at times, but its problem was moralism, not that it's use of cucumbers and squash, <laughs> right? Because, okay. be, um, because, you know, if you pick up a cucumber in the backyard, it is already telling you about God and, and about its creator. So, um, to have it, to, to animate it speaking and telling you about its creator doesn't, uh, isn't a problem. Yeah. And they had, prob- ve- they had, they had to use vegetables because the computers weren't p- powerful enough to process human animation at the time. So they <laughs> yeah. had to do okay. couple shapes. <laughs> so they were actually developing, um, and pushing the, the technology forward along with everything else, which I think is what Christians should be doing. Um, the problem was the, the depth of, the depth of the understanding of the faith um, that was brought to some of the storytelling, the the silly songs with Larry and all of that, it drew the kids in um, to, to have a good time and laugh and, and uh, enjoy a a good story and a good joke. Um, And if you follow that up with a deep understanding or you surround that with a deep understanding of the loving uh, graciousness of the crucifixion of God's son and the resurrection and all of that, then you've done something wonderful. Um, if you followed up with moralism, then you're just causing more problems down the road. And that's one of the reasons we're really excited about uh, our show, Barely Biblical, is because the creator has a deep, deep uh, love and understanding of the gospel that he works really, he works into the way he's telling the stories um, really, really well. I just read um, the, the new, the uh, one of his new scripts about um, Ehud, the left-handed swordsman and Eglon, <laughs> the very fat King. And what the show is, is it's animated stuffed teddy bears uh, acting out the most violent stories of the old Testament. <laughs> so it's very, it's very funny, but it's also, you, you've got an, you've got a narrator reading the Bible, um, right. and these, and, and, uh, in such a way that the kids that really, you know, if, if you've got a group of boys that really get into the show, they're going to have large portions of the book of Samuel and the book of Judges memorized, um, for the rest of their lives because it's, uh, it's deeply biblical, deeply respectful of the, text of the scriptures um while at the same time being entertaining the the uh the roman poet horace said he who entertains best teaches most yes. right when and, and that's something that uh, a show like barely biblical really brings to it but what's really interesting too is you know as i've traveled the country and um and told people about our content christians and non-christians alike get really excited about barely biblical non-christians have confessed to me you know, while sitting in a bar, you know, I would watch that show, but partly because I actually don't know what's in the Bible and I'm curious. 
Yes. You know, and you and I would say, well, you know, you can read it, but you find <laughs> out that most people don't have the reading level to just jump straight into the Old Testament. Yes. Um, but they're actually really curious about what's in the Bible, and they would watch a show like that because they would they they would be uh, partly because they know they'd be learning the stories from the Old Testament. Yes. So, Marcus, I'm going to piggyback on something you said about content for boys. Um, back in the early 80s, when my husband and I came to faith, I had been raised where I knew Bible stories. He didn't really. And so I got this children's story Bible. And sometimes they're much better than <laughs> commentaries that come out because they're telling the story. And I had him read it aloud to our son, who at the time was like three, four years old. And this was my husband's co comment. He said, had I known that there was such wars and battles and everything else, <laughs> how come I didn't know that the Bible had this in it? So I do think, um, hearing what Jason just said, that um, boys, men, were created to be protectors and to be, um, you know, standing on earth in the place of God, vicegerents as the word is. And so I think... The comment that Jason made that um, even non-Christian males will say, you know what, I, I think I'll get this for my kids because they need to have good content. They'll be getting it for themselves. Is that part of your idea, Marcus, that um, you're going to have content for children, but it isn't just for children? Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's the idea. I, so, you know, PureFlex had a rule that said a five-year-old and a 95-year-old have to sit on the same couch and watch the same content. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just not feasible. Like if, if you go into a Christian bookstore, there's different shelves and categories for different ages. Right. Um, so, you know, barely biblical is a show for, you know, maybe like eight to 15 year old kids. Right. Um, so it's not for, you know, the two or three year olds, although they can watch it and enjoy it. There's nothing inherently sinful in, in it. Uh, but it's just not made for certain people. Um, and that's totally okay. But the problem, the bigger problem I think we see like in, in secular media and Christian media in general is just, they've just completely made all stories effeminate. Um, uh, you know, we don't have, we don't have cartoons where characters have guns anymore, right? So you used to have Elmer Fudd, um, would have a gun and then, and, and they've taken that out. He doesn't have a shotgun anymore. Uh, Yosemite Sam usually has squirt guns now. Like it's, it's, it's really weird. Um, but they've taken all sort of weapons out of storytelling, um, and, um, all the content for kids isn't about, uh, you know, like G.I. Joe, right? G.I. Joe used to be about soldiers fighting enemies and they had weapons and guns. Um, so this really is a throwback to those sort of classic television where there was violence in cartoons and it was okay. And you'd watch it together and, boys would 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 like it and you know pretend everything is an acme product um, and see, violence doesn't have violence for violence sake but the world is full of violence right one of the things i've noticed is again since my kids are grown i didn't have a lot of animated cartoons on but i was always amazed at how many of the characters were plump and had many colors and they look an awful lot like what we have with drag queen story hours. A lot of those characters looked blimpy and, you know, you, you, and that's what the drag queens look like are blimpy. So I do think that since a lot of parents do put their children in front of a screen so they can cook dinner, so they can get on the phone, so they can, you know, take a bath. I don't know. 
the fact that you're entering into this arena and, you know, maybe 10 years from now, you'll say, we, we, maybe we do it a little differently because we're always supposed to be improving and reforming our craft. If people right now wanted to support this effort, Marcus, how would they do it? Yeah. So if you go to lore.tv, that's L-O-O-R.tv, you can subscribe. It's 14 bucks a month. Uh, you can do that right now. Um, and, and, and that $14 a month doesn't give you a lot of content right now, but every week you'll be able to spend a portion of that monthly subscription funding shows that'll stream on the platform. So you're actually spending your monthly subscription deciding which content gets funded. That's why there's con, there, there might be shows on, 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 on lore that you don't like and you don't want to see, uh, but that's okay. You don't have to fund it. Um, so, cause you, you have that power right now with Netflix and Disney. If you get a, a subscription, you have no say in how they spend your subscription money on what content. So they want to push the LGBT nonsense. They want to push drag queens, all this sort of stuff. Uh, they're using your subscription dollars to do it. Um, with us, you ultimately have the power to say, that's not a show I want to fund. Um, and it doesn't get funded. The market decides. Um, and, and, and so, and so that's really key. So go to Lore TV. You can subscribe there. And then if you want, really want to see a show fund you're really excited about, um, uh, you can buy what we call gold loot and you can spend that gold loot, um, funding, uh, whatever show you want. And, and you can make, fund it faster. Uh, the other way to support Lore TV, I would, I would, I would like to mention is if you're an accredited investor, um, to really get behind what we're doing and, uh, invest in what we're doing and we're investing in the marketplace we're building. What's um, an accredited investor? I'm not familiar uh, with that term. Yeah, it's just the SEC term for people who invest in tech companies, basically. Uh, but basically it just means, uh, I, I'm just a rough estimate. It just means that you have a million dollars in net worth outside of your home. It's government requirement to, uh, be able to invest in companies, uh, accredited. In, so yeah. they, they know who they are. <laughs> yeah, accredited. Yeah, we're in the middle of our what's asked called an SAFE round, and so an accredited investor knows what that means. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, so, so I guess I'm not that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, okay. So that, I can be a subscriber. Yeah. So you can either be a subscriber or be an investor. Um, either way is super important. Uh, uh, and either way, you you are investing in in storytelling. Um, in the future of storytelling and. Uh, I think we've created something that's really disruptive to Hollywood um, by giving the subscribers the power to determine what's on the show. Um, and I think uh, they we've been talking about this publicly for three years and no one's copied us uh, because they'd have to give away their power um, mm-hmm. to copy us. And shame on them. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're patient and you endure in your vision and you're not doing it not that you wouldn't like to become wealthy, who doesn't like to become wealthy, but you're doing it for the greater purpose of the kingdom of God. The Lord tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and then everything else. And the everything else includes what we wear, what we can eat, what shelter we have, and you know what goodies we can buy. So Jason, yes, there are artists, hopefully, who are listening, musicians, because you'll need scores for your your programming, um, script writers, animators, how do, I mean, do you want them to approach you or how do they do that? Yeah. So we have a a place on the site where they can, um, submit what, who they are and what kind of artists they are. And cause we're, 
uh, one of the things that we are subsidizing is um, we're building artists, uh, 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 places for artists to meet one another, uh, Christian artists to get together. And so uh, I've been traveling the country, Marcus and I have been traveling the country, putting on uh, artist get togethers for Christian artists around the country. Um, and it, so if that's something you'd be interested in, uh, we, uh, we have a, you can connect with us through Facebook or you can connect with us uh, on the website at lore.tv so that you can know when our next artist get together is and where we've got one coming up in Atlanta. We've got one coming up in New York. Uh, we just went through Nashville, Nashville, Orlando, Dallas, and LA, and we'll be going back through those cities as well. Um, so if, if that's something you're, interested in then uh, connect with us through the website or on facebook and uh, you'll get the updates about uh, when our creator get togethers are so can people if they are so desirous aside from knowing when they're going to take place could they hold a get together and sponsor the get together so they can get you guys there yeah absolutely absolutely oh, that's a great idea and um and and that's how we find um, our content too is we're looking for the producers and the production companies that uh, are they have an idea they have a concept that they know wouldn't fly in the faith-based industry because um, because it's uh, because of the kind of story it is but they also know it wouldn't fly in Hollywood because it's too Christian so we're trying to find those product projects that are too Christian for Hollywood but uh, not moralistic enough for the faith-based <laughs> industry right well i'll tell you what i what's encouraging for me because i grew up watching charlton heston as moses and the mm -hmm. story of ruth and hollywood just could not stand not changing the story so yep. it was all about moses and his girlfriend of egypt or you know and they add things to it um, it sounds like both of you take various seriously that you're not going to add or detract from the scripture because both of you believe that it won't go well for you if you do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because the, the thing we need more than anything is the blessing of the Lord on our lives and on our families and on the many generations to come from my children. You know, that, that, that's what's important uh, right. to and me. Nobody's saying cartoons are scripture. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. So. But you have to have a faithful message in that. So yeah. I, amen. 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 Yeah. Okay. Marcus, what is your biggest obstacle at this point? If, if you had to say what frustrates you in terms of persevering, cause it, you said this has already been, you've been doing it for three years. Where do you find the most resistance? I, I think the biggest resistance really is honestly among the Christian conservative investment uh, community, like getting them to understand the value of art for the sake of art. Um, that's been the weirdest thing to me because you see that Disney and Netflix and, uh, Paramount and HBO are making millions of dollars. They're, they're the forefront of all cultural conversation is usually around on what's streaming. And yet you talk to conservative investors and say, Hey, we, we have this thing that could disrupt that and, and, and it's about storytelling and making movies and TV shows. And there's just no interest among conservatives, among um, the entertainment industry. And this isn't just a problem for us as, as Christians. Um, I've spoken to many artists. Uh, Jason's spoken to many artists as well. 
And there's just not a lot of capital allocated to the idea that stories can be profitable and change the world. Um, just, it's, just, I don't know what it is. I think a lot of it is, this is if I had to guess that conservatives have embraced without realizing it, the postmodern worldview that says anything in art can be valuable. Mm-hmm. And we know that conservatives don't invest like that. We don't invest that in it. We're very data and fact driven. And, um, so if, if anything, if a banana duct tape to a wall, uh, can be worth a hundred thousand dollars, and would, would the subconsciously conservative investors say, "Well, I'm just not going to invest in there because I don't like that's too much of a gamble." Um, but we also know uh, that art is inherently valuable because God created it, right? Mm-hmm. God's an artist, and and uh, so and we also know that art is objectively good or bad, and not just whatever people think. Um, right. So what you have is uh, the liberals putting a lot of money into postmodern art um, and, and, and then the conservatives saying, well, if that's art, then I don't want anything to do with it, <laughs> as opposed to putting money into art and saying, no, this is objectively good content um, and it is inherently valuable. And I think if, if, if it was uh, if, 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 the, if you're giving a fair playing ground. Uh, between Christian entertainment with a biblical worldview um, and uh, a secular entertainment with a secular worldview. I think if you had that, there's the fair playing grounds on both sides, Christian entertainment would win every single time. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, that's why. And, yeah. Well, that's why. Out of schools, like, because if they read the Bible, they just might believe, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, but that's why you see stuff like Mandalorian and Top Gun. Which are masculine uh, shows about warfare, and like even The Mandalorian is about a father protecting a son and covenant and adoption. Adoption. There's even discussion of repentance and sin in The Mandalorian. Um, really incredible. That's why that show. I would say that's why that show's popular because it's faithful to a Christian worldview. Uh, and Top Gun, same thing. Um, so whereas you have these other sort of shows that are just you know drag queen story hour and stuff like they'll be forgotten and you write all those sort of stories will be forgotten but it's the ones that adhere to a strong biblical worldview that remain the most profitable uh generate the most amount of wealth for the people that were part of it um in in general and i don't think hollywood is capable of understanding why the stories that win really win right I think that goes back to the idea of what um, Rush Juni said in that essay I read. You know, every area of life and thought needs to be brought under the dominion of Christ. We saw tremendous gains starting in the latter part of the last century with people saying, I'm not giving my kids to public school. Um, I don't care if I don't know what I'm doing. I know I can do better than what's going on there. And you see it happening in other areas. And I'm delighted to see that you guys have taken on the arts because not only do you have to get your product out there, you have to educate the sort of people you said, Marcus, who think, oh, no, we just turn off our sets and that's going to solve everything. And so if you're kingdom driven, if you're deciding that you were created for a time such as this, then you act at it. And I, I think you guys are doing that. We're coming to the end of our time. Jason, I'll start with you. What do you want people who are listening to the, to this to know? What Sum it up, what you want them to come <laughs> away with. Well, what I want them to come away with is that uh, there are Christian artists that God has given 
um, the gifts that they are ready to give. Um, we just need, you know, to, to, uh, free them up, uh, and make sure that they can feed their families while they, uh, build and create these gifts that they're ready to give to an audience. So I hope you'll join, uh, over at lore.tv, L-O-O-R.tv to really, um, give these Christian artists, uh, the opportunity to, uh, serve you and tell you, tell you the stories, um, that they are ready to tell. Very good. Marcus, you get the closing words here. Yeah, I I want to I I just would like to say that there are many artists out there who are insanely talented. Um and I've heard recently, you know, you hear comments like, "Oh, I'm I'm more picky about my Christian content than my secular content." Um and I I think that's evil. Mm-hmm. Um and we need to build platforms that allow artists, Christian artists specifically, to fail. Uh to make mistakes and to give them grace as they uh, hone their craft. Um, and, uh, and, and that's what we've created at Lore is just a way for artists, uh, to be able to create content, to pitch ideas, um, maybe some good ones, maybe some bad ones, uh, but the marketplace gets to decide. Um, and, uh, that's what Christian artists haven't had. They haven't had, uh, a free marketplace to be able to create content and change the world. And I think we, that's what we've built for them. Okay. Well, personally, guys. When we're done here, I'm going to go and subscribe to Lord TV. And I hope I right. got one. Okay. Woo-hoo. You got me, right? Right. Um, and then I hope others do likewise because I know a lot of Christians who are looking for godly ways to invest. And with God's blessing, they can get, if I'm, I'm not among the millionaires yet, but if I were, then I could get a return on my money. But there's always a return when you, Furnish your resources to the kingdom, whether it's with your tithe, your offerings, or your support. And so um, I hope to have you guys back in the future where you can tell us about all the stuff that you've done. And listeners, I really do encourage you to go to Lore TV and find out what these guys are all about. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. All right. Listeners, out of the question podcast at gmail.com is how you get a hold of us. And we look forward to talking with you next time. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.